This is Growing the Valley, a podcast by the University of California Division of Agriculture and Natural Resources. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Miller, Orchard Systems Advisor for Butte, Tehama, and Glen Counties. I'm your other host, Phoebe Gordon, Orchard Systems Advisor for Madera and Merced Counties. Today, I am sitting down over Zoom with Dr. Ted DeYoung, Professor Emeritus at UC Davis. Ted, could you more formally introduce yourself and um, the lab you led at at UC Davis uh, to listeners? Yes. Hello, I'm Ted DeYoung, and I was a professor at UC Davis for 37 years. I did most of my research down at the Kearney Ag Center and focused on mainly on stone fruit, peaches, plums, and nectarines. But during my career, I also began working a lot in prunes, almonds, and walnuts, and a few other crops. I've spent most of my time focused on trying to understand how trees work. In other words, the physiology of trees, how they function. And some of that time was spent trying to understand rootstocks and the role rootstocks play related to crop production. I also have been managing a prune breeding program for the last 35 years. And you beautifully queued up that today we are going to be talking about rootstocks. Rootstock is when you have a different set of genetics, a a whole different tree really, that composes the roots and the very base of the tree. And then you're grafted to a scion where the fruit or nut bears. And so when selecting rootstocks, there's a whole range of attributes that you might be interested in. You know, rootstocks change dramatically with the vigor of the scion. They have different tolerances for water logging or for drought conditions. They have very different anchorage abilities. Could be concerned about nematode tolerance and resistance resistance to phytophthora and so many other root-borne diseases. And all of those pests and diseases and anchorage interact to really dramatically change the potential longevity and success of an orchard. Where did you get your start? Why is looking at rootstock a topic that you chose to tackle as part of your career? So I got interested because I'm primarily a physiologist. I was interested in trying to understand how a rootstock can control the size and the growth of the scion. It's been a real conundrum in figuring out how working rootstocks works. The apple industry internationally has been really transformed by the development of rootstocks. So dwarfing rootstocks for apples were developed more than 100 years ago. And most of the orchards now planted are planted on size controlling or dwarfing or semi-dwarfing rootstock so that the tree is not large and it decreases the size of the scion. The scion is the upper part of the tree. The rootstock is the lower part. In order to decrease labor costs and all sorts of things associated with managing trees like fruit thinning and harvest, etc., There's been a strong interest in reducing the size of the trees. And uh, that's where dwarfing rootstocks came in. And they were introduced in 
with apples big time. And researchers began looking for size controlling or dwarfing rootstocks in other crops in order to reduce the size of those trees and therefore reduce growing costs, basically. So working with peaches and nectarines, I was very interested in seeing whether we can't develop or find some size controlling rootstocks for peach and nectarine. So Dave Gramming had collected more than 100 different genotypes, different accessions of things that potentially could be used at rootstocks for peaches. And we began testing them. And we found after about five or six, seven years, we found a couple that looked promising. So that work of trying to develop new rootstocks for peach and nectarine, particularly, and plums, continued for more than almost 30 years. And simultaneously, I got interested in trying to understand how those rootstocks that we found actually worked. What causes dwarfing or the size controlling of the cyan when they're planted on these rootstocks? So we did a lot of work studying shoot growth and water relations and growth characteristics of cyans on the different rootstocks. And we began focusing on the water aspect. And we also had been doing a fair amount of work characterizing how water relations influences shoot growth, in, particularly in peach and nectarine. But we found that shoot growth, especially in the springtime when the shoots are actively growing, they're very sensitive to small reductions in the water status of the tree. So we began looking to see whether the rootstocks actually changed the water status of the tree. And sure enough, we found that the rootstocks that most greatly affect the size of the shoots or the rate of shoot growth, especially in the spring months, also had an effect on a minor decrease in the water status of the cyan. So with that, we had a hint that, okay, something's happening with water relations. Ted, you know that you developed this interest in physiologically some rootstock's ability to reduce the size of the scion. And what did you discover as you went down that line of inquiry? So we followed that up and looked at the anatomical characteristics of the water conducting vessels in the wood of rootstocks. And we found that the more size controlling rootstocks tended to have smaller vessels. That is the conducting tissue that conducts water up the tree tended to be of smaller diameter in the more dwarfing rootstocks. And so we followed that up and measured hydraulic conductance and many other things that related to that. And we're now pretty convinced that the transport of water up through the rootstock to the cyan has an influence on the rate of shoot growth of the cyan. So you suspected water relations and the anatomical differences were the cause of the ability for some rootstocks to cause dwarfing. But as you noted earlier, on a more practical level, with apples, the use of dwarfing rootstocks is part of a whole system change and cost associated with that in the orchard. 
So with a dwarfing rootstock, you have a smaller tree that's going to dramatically change the density and the spacing that you plant. Uh, a lot more work is happening from platforms or from the orchard floor with long pruning loppers instead of being up in the tree with ladders. So in peaches, how did your pursuit of dwarfing rootstocks come together with also your interest in growing the whole orchard system in a more cost-effective and productive manner? In a vigorous growing condition that is good soil, the tree has a tendency to grow fairly tall, way above 8, 10, 12 feet. And so growers are interested in keeping that down. The traditional way the growers thought they could do that is by pruning them harder. Many of them top the trees at a particular height, say 10 feet. But when you head a tree very hard, the tree the next year just regrows and maybe even will grow more than it did originally. So we recognize that uh, when we are doing a lot of work with different training systems in stone fruit. And we developed a system what we call a perpendicular V, or it's a two-scaffold tree one protruding in each direction into the tree row, perpendicular to the tree row. And that system worked very well. However, because there are only two scaffolds as opposed to three or four or five, those two scaffolds had too much vigor. And they would even tend to grow taller than a normal tree that had somewhere between four and five main scaffolds. So the only way out of that is to somehow devigorate the tree, have a smaller tree. The dwarfing rootstock enabled the apple industry to change to these new systems. And so we were looking for a similar solution. So that's why we went into the size controlling rootstocks. So all of this is connected with trying to develop an orchard system that is manageable by the grower with the minimum amount of labor. Now, still a lot of labor is involved, but with the newer systems that we have in peach and nectarine, now with some of our size controlling rootstocks, the tree is, is able to be managed to a height of about eight feet. Now, all the pruning and the fruit thinning and harvest can be done primarily from the ground or from a very small stepladder. Excellent example of how dwarfing rootstock is just one component but it has dramatic impacts on designing a lower labor, higher efficiency orchard and really changes so much about what the spacing is and how you prune the trees and all sorts of other things. One rule of thumb that I've always held is that the higher density orchards, that one of the goals of them is to reduce the amount of labor required to manage the orchard by decreasing the tree height and so forth. However, the grower must also recognize that when you go to a higher density planting, it doesn't necessarily mean more work, but it almost surely means more intensive management. If they plant at higher density, then they need to know more clearly what their strategy is for pruning and irrigating and fertilizing because the more tightly trees are planted, the more quickly things can go wrong. And so the intensity of management is critical. In addition to dwarfing, what have some of your other interests in the differences between rootstock traits been over the years? 
One of them is ease of propagation. Rootstocks aren't going to be taken up by nurseries unless they can be propagated fairly easily. Also, it's important that the rootstock has longevity. The grower doesn't want a rootstock that he has to be concerned about beginning to decline after 10, 15 years. And then incompatibility is a big one. Cyan rootstock incompatibility particularly can be a problem because occasionally you'll have a rootstock selection that will look good for two or three years. And then in the fourth or fifth or sixth year, the tree begins to climb. And we call this delayed incompatibility in the grafting in between the cyan and the rootstock. And most of the time, this incompatibility is somehow related to the secondary compounds that are produced by either the rootstock or the top. Initially, the graft heals in fine, but then over the years, there's an accumulation of secondary compounds, chemicals that can be accumulated at or around the graft union that interferes with the transport of nutrients between the rootstock and cyan and causes the graft compatibility to decline. On citation rootstock, peach and nectarine initially look really good. The trees begin to decline in the second or third year, especially when they're growing in hot climates. We don't really know what causes that decline. We have seen cases where this happens four or five or six years after planting. Ted, that's really excellent information on the question of compatibility and how absolutely critical that is and how it's not a simple one or two years in the ground of looking at the tree and whether the tree is all of a sudden in in decline because of incompatibility. There's all sorts of shades of incompatibility and what may be causing it. We had a case with some of Pluots mm-hmm. where they were, that orchard was classic, fantastic orchard, like in year six and in year seven, a third of the trees died. Wow. It was really crazy. And then of course you have the important example of at least one nursery continuing to propagate peach on the rootstock citation and how that leads to a delayed incompatibility and and growers need to be wary of that type of situation. So they need to be on the lookout for incompatibility. I just got an email seeing really severe cracks in Crimps 86 under independence and asked me if it was a problem. And so that's another example where you're dealing with a new variety you assume, well, almonds compatible with Crimps 86, and so it shouldn't be a problem. But some varieties, you can have the cyan incompatibility showing up because of the variety you use. Absolutely. Okay. That's a, a really good reminder, Ted, that you may be really comfortable with a rootstock, for example, in the Sacramento Valley. Crimps 86 in Ammons is now just kind of the de facto rootstock, except for where boron is a concern or except for where root knot nematode may be a concern. It's kind of the rootstock choice just about every time for so many growers right now. And yet myself and Franz Niederholzer and others have been called out to look at some problems where independence and potentially Shasta on Crimsk 86 are not performing very well in their first couple years of growth. We're not calling it an incompatibility, but our current hypothesis is that it's more an issue of uh, similar to the Union Mild Etch 
of Mariana rootstock that the combination of certain scions and certain rootstocks, so in this case, potentially rootstocks with more plum in their genetics, that combination may lead to some problems. And we think that the problem may be exacerbated or caused by just wet soil conditions. Rootstock is such an important part of deciding what you're going to plant next and making sure that you're very confident that you know how to farm that combination of scion and rootstock. Yeah, I would call that still a, a type of semi-incompatibility. And it makes sense that the water logging or too much water might cause that because that tends to elicit production of more secondary compounds, which then could cause the effect to be stronger in, under particular circumstances. Prunus is notorious for secondary compounds. I had a visiting t scientist from France years ago, and she spent a good part of her career looking at incompatibility. It's a big topic. Yeah. Yeah. And then assessing it is really complicated as well. So I, right. Yeah. Now, one thing I wanted to mention is rootstock selection for the grower. As we go into this era where we're going to have more rootstocks available in many crops, it's very important that the grower educates themselves about the rootstocks they're looking at or thinking about. And if they don't have that information, they should contact their local extension agent to try to get more information about the particular rootstocks. But it's important that the grower does this themselves. It's their responsibility because and many times the rootstocks are new to the nurseries and the nurseries themselves haven't had that much time to understand and study how all these rootstocks work. And so they may be selling the grower what they have available for sale rather than trying to provide what the grower would like. And so this is very important. Ted, thank you so much for that fabulous advice for the grower to consider incompatibility as well as how the choice of a dwarfing rootstock may change the entire system and how a grower needs to be prepared for that. Having the grower really be deciding what rootstock they're going to choose instead of that conversation, that choice being led by the nursery. All of these really important considerations for this big picture overview of rootstocks. So thank you so very much. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Growing the Valley, a UCANR podcast. You can find out more about this episode at our website, growingthevalleypodcast.com. We'd like to thank the Almond, Pistachio, Walnut, and Prune Boards for their support. We'd also like to thank my sister, Muriel Gordon, for writing and recording the theme music.